Um, in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus has just gotten word of the fact that his cousin has been beheaded. And that John the Baptist uh, was beheaded by Herod Antipas. And he has gone to get away for a little bit. Now, he may be in a place where he just needs restoration. He needs to, some peace and quiet and he needs to get away. But it doesn't happen that way. I want you to, to see this in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 13. It says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be, be alone. But the crowds heard where he, where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So here we see Jesus trying to get away a little bit and maybe trying to, to find some peace and maybe some time to just pray to his father, which Jesus often did, get alone so he could pray to his father. And here he sees a huge number of people that have followed him. And he steps out of the boat and he has compassion on them and he healed their sick. Now, immediately it goes into the story here of feeding the 5,000. That evening, the disciples came to him and, and said, This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, That isn't necessary. You feed them. And we won't talk about the feeding of the 5,000 today. That's a sermon for another day. But what I want you to see is that Jesus had compassion. And, and we're going to tie back to that in just a minute. And we talk about the very important thing where it, that, that it boils down to. We talk about healing and we talk about Jesus performing physical healing. So today we'll be in a passage that is very near and dear to my heart. It's in Luke chapter 8. I have on my wrist a wristband that says, Thy faith has made thee whole. And that is a reference to Luke 8, 48, which is also on my license plate of my car. Um, my family, we struggled, as many of you know. Uh, our daughter, our first daughter, passed away from cancer. Um, while we were there, we saw many children that were hurting in children's hospital. We saw many people that were in need of healing. And you can't help but to ask the question when you're walking around children's hospital, God, why in the world would you allow this to happen? We get that question a lot as Christians, don't we? Why would God allow suffering to happen in the world? If he is such a good God and he loves us so much, why in the world would he allow so much suffering to happen in the world, especially to children. That's crazy. Why would God allow that? And the answer, hopefully, we'll get to today, that you'll be able to see clearly today. Now, here's the thing about it. I can't, I can't make you see the answer. I, I cannot open your eyes and, and make you see what the answer is. And I may give you an explanation today, and you have one of two options. You can either, either believe what I'm saying is true, or you can dismiss it. And God always gives us that option when it comes to his words. He, when he gives us truth, we have an option to either accept the truth or reject the truth. And it boils down to one thing, and we'll talk about what that one thing is today. So in Luke chapter, chapter 8 today, we'll be talking about um, a particular situation of healing that... that Jesus was a part of. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 8. In verse 40, it says, On the other side of the lake, crowds gathered. Uh, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they've been waiting for him. And the man named Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by crowds. 
A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. So here we see a couple of things going on. We see, number one, that, that Jesus had heard the, 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 the needs of this man named Jairus, who was a leader of the synagogue. He had compassion on him. And we read in, in, in Matthew where, where Matthew was just talking about the fact that Jesus had compassion on the people and healed their sick. Here's a situation where a man comes to, to Jesus going, my daughter is sick. Can you come and can you heal her? And Jesus has compassion and goes with this man to heal Jairus' daughter. So to say that Jesus doesn't care, to say that Jesus doesn't know is a ridiculous statement. Because I think we can see over and over again through Scripture that Jesus cares over and over again. That he has compassion. I think that he recognized as walking around in human flesh and blood. And the fact that he is, all, he is God and all-knowing, I think that he knew what it was like to experience pain. That's one thing we see through the cross, right? Is that, that Jesus knew what it was like to experience pain because he was fully God and fully man at the same time. It's hard to imagine the fact that, that God became flesh and blood and figured out through that he was actually not able to just understand, but he was able to experience pain because he became man. He, he knew what pain was. He, he created pain. But he was able to experience through, through his son Jesus Christ the fact that he became flesh and blood. Now he had the choice to never experience pain. He was God and he never had to go through that unless he chose to. But he chose to come as a man and walk in a physical body that you and I walk around in every day. Now one thing that you and I know is that there is physical pain associated with walking around in these bodies, right? I was talking to, to, to some... some, some Late teens, early 20s uh, group just a few minutes ago, and they were talking about, I was telling them about how I was hurting. When I get up in the morning, I hurt. That's what happens when you're 42. Yes, I'm 42. I know I look 33. I'm 42. So <laughs> when you wake up in the morning at 42, you hurt, right? I told them a minute ago, I, I had this little thing fall off my microphone, and, and like I went to, to put it back on there, and I had to do this. Every time I do this, it bothers me. I had to go, you know what I'm talking about? Like some of you older adults know what I'm talking about. When you have to go, like just so I can see it, it's all blurry when it's right here. But if I get it right here, I can see it. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I was telling them, I hate getting old. I just, I, I do. But the main thing I hate about it is the fact that I wake up in the morning and I just hurt. I got stuff in my feet that hurt when I wake up. I'm like, I haven't even touched the floor yet. Why are my feet hurting? You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> it's so funny. There's some adults going, uh-huh, uh-huh, I feel you. I know what you're talking about. So... Jesus, because he was a man and God at the same time, he experienced pain. And he had that choice, and he chose to experience pain. That's kind of mind-blowing to me. And I think as Jesus walked around in this body, and I think that, that he was able to experience that pain, I, I think that he saw these people, and they were hurting, and they had all kinds of things going on with them physically, and he had compassion on them. I think he had genuine compassion for what they were going through in these physical bodies. He heads to this man Jairus' house, and while he's on the way to Jairus' house, he runs into another woman who is experiencing physical pain. I, I, I think it, it doesn't go into detail about what this issue of bleeding is. It, it says that she has gone to many physicians, and she has, she has tried to find a cure, and she has tried to find some way to be healed, and she has not found it in anywhere. 
So she's in this desperate place, right? She's in a desperate place where she just hears about this guy named Jesus, and he's coming to town. He's going to be walking down this road. She obviously knew something about Jesus, and she obviously knew that Jesus had the capability of being able to hear her needs and, and, and heal her. And so she goes to find where Jesus is. Now the crowds are just pressing in all around Jesus. He's got tons and tons of people like always happened when Jesus was around. Some of them had pure motives. Some of them had genuine faith in who Jesus was. Some of them were there to just see a good show. You see that in churches today. Some people are there because they have genuine faith in Jesus. And they want to walk with Jesus. And they want to know who Jesus is every single day. Then you got some people that come because they like a good show. Our prayer should be for those that like a good show that they will see what the show is really about, and it is about Jesus Christ. It is about Jesus Christ. It always has been and always will be. And I don't care how good the show is. The show won't save you. Only Jesus will save you. When we say it's not about the lights and, and all that kind of stuff, yeah, we got lights, and yeah, we may install lasers up here. I don't know, but what I'm saying is it'll always be about Jesus. I can tell you there will be no amount of haze that will save you. It'll always be Jesus Christ that will save you. There is no exception to that. And I, I, I don't care. You know, you can have the simplest service or the most elaborate service. It still boils down to one thing, and that is Jesus. And if you don't care about Jesus, you won't, you won't stay around. That's what I know. If all you're there for is the show, the show will get old to you and you will go away. If Jesus is what you're there for, Jesus will not get old to you and you will not go away. That's what I know. That's what I know. Sorry, that was a little soapbox there. I'll step down off that now. So, so Jesus is walking along and this, this woman with this issue of blood. She, she grabs him. And immediately she, she's healed. Can you imagine what that's like? I mean, I know the preachers like to preach this sermon all the time. I love to preach it because, man, it is so near and dear to me. We, we talked about this particular passage over and over again uh, when my daughter was, was suffering with cancer. And, and we talked about the healing power of Jesus. And, and man, that, 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 man, just being able to grab his garment. Can you imagine being able to just touch Jesus and all of a sudden you're healed like that? There's some people in this room right now that are suffering from physical pain. You're suffering from some kind of illness, disease, something that's got your body at a disadvantage. And I'm sure you're like, man, if I could just grab the hem of his garment, if I could just touch Jesus and imagine, man, just being able to know instantaneously that you are healed, can you imagine how powerful that would be? And yeah, that's an amazing thought. But we've got to get beyond that. We really do. Because that's not where the story stops. That's just the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story is the fact that she touched his garment and was healed. But that's not the whole story. That's not everything about the story. Let's look at what the story says. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me for I felt the power go out from me. So here, there's tons of people around, and Jesus said, somebody touched me. And he's like, everybody's touching you, Jesus. You know, Peter's probably like, yeah, duh, somebody touched you all right. Like, a hundred people touched you in the last two seconds. What are you saying, Jesus? He's like, nope, no, Peter, you don't get it. <laughs> this is what he always has to say to Peter. Peter, you're not getting it. Somebody touched me. 
And he knew because he said, it says that he literally felt the virtue run out of him. That he could feel his power be drained by this woman when she touched him. There was a thousand people touching him at that one point in time as he walked down that road. But this woman, one woman touched him and something became instantly different when she touched him. Something was dramatically different when she touched him. Number one, she had a need. She had a need. She had been seeking a cure. She had been looking all over the place for some place to be able to be better. She'd been looking all over the place, and she knew that day that Jesus was that place. So she knew, one, number one, she had a need. Number two, that Jesus was the answer. That's what she knew, and that's what was different about this lady than the other people that were around him. She had this tremendous need in her life, and, man, she'd been suffering for a long time. And, and, and I can't imagine what it must have been like for this woman to suffer in that way. When it says that she has the issue of blood, that means that more than likely this lady not only would have suffered physically, but she would have been considered by everybody else to be unclean spiritually. That means that in a lot of ways she was probably distanced from the church. She was probably distanced from being able to participate in a lot of the the things that people did when it came to having a relationship with God and the sacrifices and all the things that they did at the temple. She probably would have had to been excluded from all those because she had this issue of blood and would have considered to be spiritually unclean because of that. Not only that, but also when she is considered to be spiritually unclean, she must have looked at herself in a spiritual way and said, God, there must be something wrong with me. There is no reason why you would keep me unclean like this unless I had done something, unless I was broken in some way in my spirit, not just physically, but in my spirit. There's no reason why you would keep me in this condition unless there was something wrong with me. God, what's wrong with me? I can't participate in this communion with you the way everybody else can because I have this issue, and it doesn't feel like it's my fault, but there must be something going Because they believed that... that the, the reason that you suffered physically is a result of some sin in your life or something that your parents had done or grandparents had done and it had manifested itself in your life. So she must have felt like there was something wrong with her. Not only was she isolated from everybody else, but she also probably felt like there was something wrong with her spiritually, not only physically. And here this day, Jesus disproved all that. Jesus turned all of that around. She knew when she touched his garment that she was healed. She immediately knew that. And Jesus knew instantly that she was healed. He knew that. And let's look at what it says. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell down on her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she touched him and that she had immediately been healed. Here this lady I, I, I always question this and I always bring this up to you is that, that when this lady touched him, it says seeing that she could no longer be hidden. See, why, why could she not be hidden? She was in a crowd of a bunch of people and she touched Jesus and she sees that she can no longer be hidden. I think it's two reasons probably. Number one, I think it's because Jesus knew who she was and she knew Jesus knew who she was. She knew that when Jesus asked a question, it was an invitation, just like we all say in here, right? 
When Jesus asks a question, he's not, it's not because he doesn't know. It's because he's given you an invitation to respond. So when he said, who touched me, he didn't go, I don't know who touched me. I'm the sovereign God of the universe, but I got no clue who might have touched me. I felt the virtue run out of me, and I felt this woman get healed in an instant, but I have no idea who it was. Do you think that was really the case? Do you think that Jesus really didn't have an idea who touched me? No, it was an invitation. He was saying, basically, it was like, Lazarus, come forth, right? It's like saying, just announce who you are. Go ahead and say it in front of everybody. No, no reason to hide anymore because you've been healed and you don't have to hide anymore. And this lady, it says she was trembling. I think that the other thing is she was so physically transformed by touching Jesus. I believe that she, she probably was glowing. She was probably floating a foot off the ground. You know what I mean? Like She was like, I've been suffering with this all my life and, and here I'm actually being healed in a second. Man, I imagine she was just like... Can you imagine how overwhelmed she must have been? The shaking, the trembling, the tears. She may have been screaming out loud. I don't know, but when she knew she was healed instantaneously, I imagine she was so radically transformed that there was no way that she was getting away with nobody knowing who she was. Why is it that some people can say that they're saved can say they've been radically transformed by Jesus. Jesus has brought them from death to life, and they have a new life in Christ, but there's no evidence of it, and you wouldn't know that that person is even a Christian. If this lady was transformed in a second, and she was standing in a crowd, and you couldn't help but to notice her, there was no way she could stay hidden, how are Christians able to hide? How can you say, man, I've gotten saved, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and people go... There's no way. I don't see it in you. I don't know anything about you that would lead me to believe that. That I don't get. It makes me question whether or not they're radically transformed or not. It makes me question maybe they haven't truly been healed. Maybe they haven't truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that's the reason they're not transformed. And that's the reason it doesn't look so radically different in their life. is because they've never truly been healed. This lady, when she was healed, man, she was different and she could not be hidden she knew that jesus was inviting her to say it in front of everybody so that's what she did notice that notice what it says the whole crowd heard her explain oh i think this is a great a great time to stop and have a whole nother sermon don't you the whole crowd heard her explain she was not intimidated or scared or worried about what people would think about her past. She wasn't, you know, upset that, you know, somebody might look at her and think, oh, you know what, she's not really healed. She wasn't afraid that somebody would look at her and say, you know what, I don't care what she is now. Let's just look at her past. No, she didn't care about any of that. She said, I am healed and I don't care if everybody knows what I used to experience. This is who I am now, and that's all that matters. Boy, isn't that the picture of the Christian life right there? Or shouldn't it be? We don't care about the past, what the past has said, what the past looked like. All we care is that we are healed, and we are so excited, we don't care that everybody knows. She's sitting there in front of the whole crowd, the whole crowd. There's a ton of people. It says the whole crowd heard her. That means she must have been talking loud, y'all, like I am right now. Like I yell at y'all every Sunday. She must have been like yelling at them. And the whole crowd heard her explain what she was and what she is. And she was not afraid to tell everybody. 
Oh, what a beautiful picture of the healing power of Christ. What a beautiful picture of how he cares and how he, he, he gives this lady this invitation, man. He, when he walked down the road, by the way, he was giving her an invitation for her to come. As Jesus is in this place today and the Holy Spirit of God is, is moving in this place and moving around and speaking to you and, and, and tugging at your heartstrings and showing you that you can be healed today, it's a constant invitation for you to come to him. When you go out this door and you're driving to lunch today and God's still stirring your heart and the Holy Spirit of God is still impressing upon your heart that you know what, you've never really been healed. You need me as your Savior. That's how you will be healed. He cares about you physically and he cares about how you're hurting. He really does. But he cares more so about you spiritually. He cares about your faith. And that's what he says. That's what he says to this lady. And that's what's written on my wrist right now. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And that's written on the, the tombstone of my daughter. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And that's where the sermon ends today. Because there is a word there that jumps out of the page that I cannot ignore. And that is faith. What made her well? Her faith. What made her radically transformed? Her faith. What made her shout from the rooftops that she was completely different? Her faith. What made her chase down Jesus because she knew that he was the answer? Her faith. What made her tremble and shake as a result of, of her being healed the instant she touched Jesus? Her faith. Do you know what God is most interested in about you? Your faith. When we talk about God caring for you, if we were to say that he only cared about you physically, that would be so short-sighted of God. If that's all that he cared about. If he just healed you physically and didn't give a rip about your faith, how short-sighted would that be? Because that would leave you in a place where, where you are separated from God for all of eternity. Who cares about the next 20 years of your life if you're going to be away from him from all of eternity? The point is, and the reasons Jesus did healing, and the, and the reasons Jesus would bring certain people to healing, and, and, and certain people would not be, receive that healing was because it was all about faith. It was all about Jesus showing that faith was the answer. That believing and trusting and, and, and him being the way, the truth, and the life, that that was the answer. And that's what Jesus cared most about. Sometimes he would use physical healing to bring about that, that same faith and to show that their faith is the most important thing. Or sometimes it would be a storm. And he would look at his disciples, just like we've brought this back to every single week. And he'd look at his disciples and say, where is your faith? Where's your faith? Is your faith truly in the wind, in the waves, in the rain? Is that where your faith is? Or is your faith in me? Is your faith truly in whatever physical ailment that you're struggling with? Or is your faith in me? See, one of the things that I got to experience when I was in children's hospital was... Um, talking to other kids that were hurting, and we got to be friends with them. And there was this one little boy, his name was Nate, and I've talked about him before, and I'll talk about him again. Nate was a good kid. Nate believed in prayer. Nate believed that God would heal him. Nate right now 
is in the presence of his Lord and Savior. Nate would suffer from extreme back pain. Uh, Whatever cancer he had, it kind of took over and was in his back and in his spine, and it would cause him to have extreme pain. I would go to Nate's room and play video games with Nate and talk to Nate uh, because his mother would go away to go gambling, and I would come in there, and I would sit with Nate, and we would play video games. And sometimes I would let him win, and sometimes I wouldn't. But Nate enjoyed the competition, and he enjoyed having me in there. And if, if all I could do for Nate was to play video games with Nate, that's what I was going to do. So I did. I played video games with Nate. And he would, he would say, when his mom was there, he would say this. His back would start hurting. I remember uh, this one particular time, he would, his back would start hurting really bad. And he's like laying in his bed, and he's twisting, and he's just in extreme pain. And he would say, Mama, talking, about, talking to his mom, he'd say, just pray, Mama. Just, just pray that God will take this pain away. Just, just pray. Nate was not healed physically. Nate suffered tremendous pain all the way up until the time that he passed away. And I can tell you today what it looked like. Um, it, At Children's Hospital, at this point in time, when a, a kid would pass away, there would be a picture, and it would have balloons on it that would post on the doorway so everybody knew what had happened, and it would say, Quiet, please. And I remember when Nate passed away, and they had the Quiet, Please signs up there. And I remembered his faith. I remember that young man's faith and the fact that what he cared about was he knew that Jesus was the answer. He believed in Jesus. He believed that Jesus was his Savior. He believed there was nothing he could do to save him, but he believed that Jesus was the one that could rescue him, and that's why he prayed to him. And I believe with all my heart that, that God did rescue him, that God took him to be in his presence right now. And he is spending all the rest of eternity praising Jesus, his Savior, the one who he had faith in. So you ask me, Kenny, why do we even pray then? Why does God tell us in, our, in his word that we're supposed to get the elders together and we're supposed to, to anoint the sick with oil? Why does God tell us to do that? Why does God tell us to pray for the sick? Why would God tell us to do, do that? I believe it's for the purposes of faith. I believe that the whole thing that it boils down to is our faith. That the things that God does in our lives we may not completely understand and we may not be able to completely reconcile in our human brains, but it all boils down to faith. When it comes to you and you're hurting and you're suffering... The question is not how bad are you hurting or how bad are you suffering or even if Jesus will heal that and take that away. The question boils down to your faith because at the end of the day when everything else has passed away and this body is gone, which will happen to every single one of us in this room, you know what will only be the, the, the only thing that will be left standing? It will be your faith and where your faith really was. And when you suffer in your pain, And when you suffer with disease or sickness, you know what's the only thing that really matters at that point in time? Your faith.
As you sit here and you listen to this and God stirs your heart and the Holy Spirit of God challenges you and convicts you, you know what matters most right now? Your faith. Your faith. What do you really believe about the truth? Like I said at the very beginning, you've got a choice as to whether you accept the truth or whether you reject the truth. Whether you truly believe that the Holy Spirit of God is stirring your heart and asking you to respond to this message, or if you reject it and say, no, I'm not going to today. This is just an emotional thing. You know what? It was emotional for that lady when she was healed instantly. She was shaking, she was trembling, and the whole crowd could see that she was transformed. You know what kept her from being quiet? You know what kept her from doing nothing as a result of that? Her faith. So my question to you today is this. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Jesus Christ experienced pain so that you could have eternity with him. God came down and became a man and was nailed to a cross and suffered and endured great, great pain and physical suffering so that you could be set free. Is that where your faith is? As you hurt and as you struggle? Is your faith truly in Jesus Christ or is it in something else?